You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is a special one, principle. And as I said, it's not really a challenge in Jewish education, but I am speaking with one of my closest friends and a great educator. We had him on here before, Mr. Jay Buxbaum, who is the... Jay, tell us again what your official title is. I should have it written in front of me, but I don't have it. Um, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Director of Wine Education for Royal Wine, the largest importer, producer, and distributor of kosher wines in the world. Right. And Jay, of course, is, is a very much a known commodity in the Jewish world and beyond. And we already spoke last year. But Jay, it's crunch time. Right. <laughs> if if you if you if your house isn't Pesach yet, it's going to be Pesach soon. And or you're uh, going to or you're going to go to a hotel. <laughs> that's right. And you're going to close up your house. Either way, uh, primary in your mind is not just the brisket, and it's not the uh, hand or machine shmura. Primary in many people's mind is what is going to be adorning that uh, Pesach table. What sort of wine? And Jay. Uh, you, you, I, like I said before, you know, when I asked you to do this on a cold call, especially we know this year, uh, because it's a Shemitah year, there are some differences, but every year is new. And I, I think what's different about our last discussion, we know that since the last time we talked in in, in last summer, uh, the supply chain issue has become paramount. And uh, getting getting material from anywhere, <laughs> getting stuff from Paducah, Kentucky is hard. Uh, all the more so getting things from uh, from the wine country in France or in California is more difficult. So talk a little bit about what what you'd like to have or which you can't and what practically uh, you're going to be able to obtain. And talk about maybe even a little bit about how uh, the supply chain has influenced prices in a way that maybe people are going to make a different choice than they made last year about what wines they would have. So take it away, Jay. Okay, so first of all, Wine is a crucial and key part of, uh, of uh, obviously, of the Seder. Um, the, the supply chain issues really are affecting, every, as you said, every aspect. Paducah, you know, Paducah, Kentucky or whatever is, is also affected by it. But the biggest, the biggest challenge we had was getting wines and enough wines from Eretz Yisrael. And just to give you a, a perspective... Uh, talking about affecting the price, you know, years ago, it doesn't happen anymore because most states, um, um, departments of agriculture, et cetera, are very careful to watch this. It used to be years ago that chicken prices all of a sudden on Pesach went through the roof and meat prices all of a sudden on Pesach went through the roof and some wines, not Kedem's, of course, because we were very careful, went through the roof simply because they felt people would pay it. That doesn't happen anymore. As a general rule, people are pretty honest about it and they have to be because it's against the law to do price gouging. But the fact is pricing has gone up, but not because of price gouging at all. Just to give you an example, the cost of moving wine, a case of wine from Israel has in some cases, just the movement, meaning just the shipping part has quadrupled in cost. So if it costed, if it cost three dollars, you know, eight months ago, it's now twelve dollars. Okay, and that, and that has to be added to the price of the bottle when it comes here, right? Of course, of course. And then 
you take into account that the Israeli shekel has become stronger and stronger over the last year compared to the American dollar. And so the just in order to buy the same bottle of wine in Israeli shekels or them selling it to us, uh, they need to take an increase just on the price differential of the shekel. So between those and then on top of that, they're short on wine. So all those things have added to the conundrum and to the challenges getting Israeli wines. And uh, especially on Pesach, uh, especially when you're talking about freedom, especially when you're, you know, you're really thinking about our brethren in Eretz Yisrael who sadly went through yet once again some horrible situations of late. Uh, you want to support Eretz Yisrael, uh, and, and, and there's plenty of Eretz Yisrael that can wine around, but it, it may be more expensive, and there may be some challenges now, with some of the wines. Now, now, now Jay, the, the stuff that they'll be moving, we've talked about this in, in our previous program. I know you, you might want to give a refresher course to some of our listeners who didn't catch last summer's, but we know that there is the Mishnah in Shvius, uh, which is mentioned in Halacha, of not taking Peros Shvius out of Eretz Yisrael. So when you're talking about transporting Wine. You're talking about transporting wine that's in the wine cellars from last year. You're not talking Very about good. you're not talking about the wines that were produced in Tufshin Pei Bays, but the wines that they might have in stock from previous years that they were getting ready for this year. That's what's being cost to ship them over here to the United States, right? Yes, and in fact, and in fact, you won't see any Shemitah wine except for some local wines in Eretz Yisrael right now. You won't see any Shemitah wine until next year because it takes that long to either, you know, ferment it, process it, bottle it, or and or age it. So none of that challenge, that challenge is going to be renewed next year, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in eight months from now when those wines are going to be released to the public. We won't be bringing in any of those mm-hmm. um, and except for very few wineries. Uh, most wineries do not uh, export their wines to, to America because the Olam here, the, the community here, does not, you know, ha- and I spoke to Rai Tights about this. Um, you know, there are two issues. Number one, even if you have, whether it be Otzer Bezdin or Het Mechira or, you know, or Yuval Nachri or whatever, you still have the problem of taking Kedusha Shvias out of Eretz Yisrael. So no... Royal Wine and Kedem, of all we and we are the largest importers of of Israeli wines in the world. Uh, none of the Israeli wineries we will bring in none of their, even if they're making it under good ashkacha, under good, you I know, understand. circumstances. We still won't bring it in for. We still won't so, take it out of it. So, so just to reiterate, the wines that are so more expensive, so much more expensive this year, along with the rising prices of everything else, just to make clear, are not shmeet the wine. These are wines. That were from previous years, maybe even Correct. last year, and Correct. so, so Jay, look, it's going to cost you more. So I would assume the same way. Both of us say, hmm, when I had more money, when this was moderate, uh, I went with that. Like, but now that it's really going to be through the roof, I might have to alter my perspective. So Jay, the expert chooser, might have to come up with a second or third choice of a wine that isn't as expensive but it's also quality so what would you say i mean we know 
again, we can have a halachic discussion, Jay. And I know in, in Yanam of wine, I'm not going to match you. But I know I, I know enough about the halacha that red wine, of course, is what halacha says should be um, the choice at the at the seder. Um, so let's talk about some what you would suggest uh, is something that again. Don't and don't don't tell me malaga, right? Tell me or right or don't tell me matuk uh, mild. What would you say for our people who are listening in that they should try to maybe zero in on that you think? So even though I right? won't, I won't, I won't speak about the what we call the sacramental or you know traditional wines such as Kedem and malaga and matuk rouge and all that stuff. I will tell you that even though, of course, we should look for a wine, at least one wine. During the course of the Seder, that's from Eretz Yisrael, uh, American wines are much more reasonable. Um, wines from Barkan in Israel, the classics, the classics are still quite reasonable at about twelve bucks. Uh, and certainly Herzog wines lineage are more upscale, but also not expensive at about twenty dollars. And then there's a wine that I tasted, and I actually put on my big reveal last Saturday night, which was uh, not this past Saturday night, the one before, which is a wine from uh, Yossi Zaykan called uh, Nature Screaming, which is mm. a which is a 9% wine that is not Mavushal. So it might be also, and it's also red, and it's also made in New York State, and it's also less than, you should be less than, you should be able to find it less than 20 bucks. So these are some of the examples. Why do you repeat that again? It's called because I'm not familiar with nature. That. Yeah, it's a it, nature screaming is what the the vinter decided to call this this wine. That's right, this <laughs> blend of of grapes that are grown in New York State. One of them is a French hybrid. Another one is a a transplant from Europe. But yeah, and it's a light wine. It's a fresh wine. Mm. It's not, I would say, a complex or a you know, it's an easy drinking wine. It's a, a relatively lower alcohol wine, mm-hmm. but there are many, many wines I like. And I, so, you know, and the vintner is Yossi Zakon. Is that the yeah. Yeah. Zakon wines? Yeah. Before you get to the other, you know, you, you bring up something again. I'm sorry for interrupting you. It just no, that's not at all. You know, we live upper New York State. Uh, that the, the land there um, is is a very good place to produce grapes. As no. Uh, I would not. <laughs> so, so it's a hidden, frank, you know. Yeah. I need my. I need to. I need to make sure that uh, I have my integrity. So the answer yeah. is no. It's a challenge to produce great, great wine grapes for wine in upstate New York because it's very cold. Yes, and it's very tough on the vineyards. But you can produce good wines, and Yossi Zakon has done that. And the, and the, the reason, the and the reason wines, why they would do that, Jay. I'm just again. I'm, yeah, I'm anticipating is because the proximity to the bottling and the proximity to the megapolis of where all the Jews live is, 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 is allows them, I guess, to uh, bring it. And it's not going to be that expensive. Is that the reason why they, 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 they've chosen to have their vineyards up in New York state instead of in a place that's more temperate? That's one reason. Another reason is Concord specifically grows great up there and Uh it makes a great Kiddush wine. Uh Um, Okay, and there are also some great white wines that can be made in those um, uh, those challenging uh, regions. Uh, But red wines are much more difficult. Pinot Noir might be might be okay, Uh, but yeah. um, So, and also people in general like diversity. You know, just because 
the greatest wine perhaps in the world is made at Bordeaux. I'm not saying that's true, but some people might say that. So you're only going to get your wine from Bordeaux. Listen, sometimes you like steak and sometimes you like a hot dog, you know, (laughs) and sometimes it's pizza, you know? So uh, you get that diversity by getting wines from New York state. But I wanted to ask you, Rabbi, from a halachic point of view, um, you, you, you mentioned that red wine is preferred. I've also understood that it, it's true that red wine is, but although that's true, that if you really enjoy white wine better, that it's perhaps a I mean, good idea. To- yeah, well, how, again, the phrase in halacha, and we talked about this thing last time, right? And we talked about that between ourselves. What does that mean? It's yosr mishubach. And I think, Jay, you're opinion was, and I think you've said you've heard this from other rabbis, that Yosher Mishubach meant your personal enjoyment. Right. It isn't that it, it, it qualifies by some wine expert's uh, opinion. Uh, it's, it's, it's what you like. And, and again, we talked about this in, in, in a previous conversation. And I think that's, I think that's your, I think that's what you're trying to intimate. No, no. What, what I was going to say to you was, that was an old question. The new question is, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I'd like your approbation, so to speak, a rosé, a rosé made from red grapes, and is a rosé colored, it's not dark red, is that also considered um, red wine? uh, It is considered red wine for the purpose of... Right, in other words, right, in other words, when we say red, does it mean that dark, rich red color that supposedly is reminiscent of the, the mortar, or reminiscent of the dam of Mitzrayim, reminiscent of, right? Or do we mean something, uh, even a lighter red? Is that's what you're asking for? Right? That's correct. Yeah, I would say yes. I would say yes. I think that, uh, I think it, there's, a, the, there's a clear line of, of demarcation. Now, now Jay, the, 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 the nature of screams wine that you said before, and is, is that a, it, it's, it's a dry wine. It's a drier wine isn't it it's a drier wine but it has a lot of fruitiness to it so even though it's not sweet per se technically speaking it's easy drinking even for those people that like their wine somewhat sweet uh-huh. and, and and that's really a good option like you know you know i'm, I'm, I'm a shtickle you know my wife is a chocolatier as you know and, yes. and, and 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 i'm not supposed to eat any of the chocolate you understand but i end up eating the chocolate anyway <laughs> but the point is is that people have said to me hey you you're a chocolate addict you know it's not good for you you are able to wean yourself of that by switching to dark chocolate and eventually you switch to dark chocolate you'll end up eating less and you know it'll take care of your chocolate craving so I'm, i want to draw a parallel jay there are people like ourselves and, and you, you've talked about your history, who grew up with the sweet, sweet wine that, you know, is that, like you say, the sacramental Malaga. And there are many people out there who are also, that's the wine they knew growing up. And there's a way for them to mature. The same way I could get rid of my chocolate fixation by moving to the dark chocolate and appreciating that. I think that people who are into that that ultra sweet wine, which is not considered really a, a, a great wine. They could use what you're saying, the fruity wine as sort of a bridge to wean them out of their youthful um, uh, memories or what they think wine is supposed to taste like. But it's not going to be something that shocks them. It's going to be, as you say, it'll eventually get them away. And I think that's part of what you do as an educator is yep, to- That's to what re- we do. Taste, taste, taste. Keep tasting, keep experimenting. And eventually, I mean, I, my daughter-in-law, Tova, was here 
for Shabbos, she only used to drink sweet wines. And now she drinks semi-sweet wines. And mm-hmm. one day she'll be <laughs> drinking dry fruity wines. And then one day she'll go from dry fruity wines to uh, strictly dry wines, hopefully. Or, or, you know, and it's not because I always tell people, you know, just because a wine is sweet and just because I or some Feinschmecker doesn't consider it a fine wine, it, who cares? Drink what you like. That's what I say. Even if it's Moscato every day of the week, drink it. If you like it, stick with it and drink it. But okay. I always tell people to experiment because, you know, otherwise life becomes boring. Well, let's talk about the Seder now. I mean, we know that there is the uh, the, the, the four cosos that you have to have the four cups of wine. But I think many people who are tolerant of alcohol enjoy drinking the wine during the meal as well. So assuming that for many people, the standard fare is going to be some sort of brisket or meat dish or some sort of roast. Um, and again, I'm not saying that this is true down the line, but traditionally, what would what would be the wine of choice for uh, you know a, a brisket or a roast like that? Okay, so one of the reasons I I was leading the witness, so to speak, about the rosé was because I I always tell people that one of the good choices for the first coast is rosé. Why? Because it's lighter, it's fresher, it's easier to drink, and it's still, um, as the as you the rabbi have just said, you know, satisfies the red wine category. Then the second coast is the one that goes into the meal. So that's the one that I like to get a rich red with. And by the way, I grew up, I mean, in later years, even my father changed, but I grew up, we only had, uh, if we had flesh, it was, but gedamte flesh, if mm-hmm. you understand. Sure. But otherwise we had boiled chicken. I mean, because right. they were afraid of roasting or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. of course, most people, like you said, now have brisket and all kinds of other things, which is halachically completely acceptable, but under the right circumstances. But um, but a, re- a good red wine, there are single vineyards from Herzog's, Trestle Glen, and uh, Napa Valley, and Alexander Valley Cabernet, and a, a wine that I love that is, is being missed very often is Quartet. But there's another wine from Herzog that I, I really want to talk about. I want to tell people about people talk about the fact that they get headaches from red wine sometimes. And sometimes that's because of the sulfurs that are in, you know, metabisulfites and sulfur dioxide, whatever. So there is a, a wine that they make that is completely organic. That's a delicious Cabernet. That's great for those kinds of foods. It's called bee leaf, like, like the word believe, mm-hmm. but B E. L E A F. I see. Leaf. Uh-huh. And it's a really wonderful wine. And it's uh, not expensive. It's uh, less than 30 bucks. Um, as and a kid, if you told me that the wine was 30 bucks, I would say, what are you crazy? <laughs> but, right. but, but if, if, I, would days, have, if I would have told you gas, I told you gas was $4.50, I would say you were crazy too. I remember the gas station was 17 cents. That's how much, that's how much I gas do was. Remember, I, I do remember. I do remember. We are both dating ourselves by saying that we remember that. <laughs> Yeah. And when it went up to 19, my father was complaining a lot. 19 cents? I'm not getting from 19 cents. I actually remember driving to Lakewood as a very young man and seeing it at 15 cents. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That was right. If that, that was that, that's when Jersey, where you get it, and you Jersey. had to stop. You you actually tried to time your gas tank so that you could get to that specific, you know, yeah, 
That's true. Yes, but, so so that, so that you would say that wine that you just recommended can go good with some heavy meat. Now there are a lot of people out there. By the way, you talk about the second cup, you know, sort of like fusing together with the beginning of the meal. There's still many uh, families that start with some fish, whether it's gefilte fish or some sort of uh, some sort of baked salmon or something like that. Uh, and you right. definitely have families that, that you can, I grew up just like you, Jay, we had chicken. That's what we had, you know, at this Seder. But, you know, I was trying to speak to, you know, the, as you say, the more modern audience, but let's talk about people right. who have fish. So, you know, what would be, the, what would be the wine of choice that's, that goes into the, if the meal there is are great rosés, the great rosés from Eretz Yisrael, um, Amichai's wine from Shiloh, uh, Matar wine from the Golan Heights, and why? Uh, and why, why, why? Just explain to me the the lumdus, as we say, why those are good fish wines. Uh, first of all, fish is served cold, mm-hmm. so you know you want a cold wine. To, everything is about balance. Everything is about harmony. Everything in wine and food is about you know uh, harmony. Things going well with each other. So, for example. You know, if you, when you spice a, uh, a dish, you don't want the spice to over, overpower the protein. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and it's the same thing with matching a wine with a food. You don't want the wine or the food to overpower each other. You want them to be in harmony so that one enhances the other, not, not one overpowers the other. So when you're looking at fish, especially if it's a salmon or if it's one of those, now they have these fancy gefilte fishes that have, you know, streaks of salmon with it, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, a beautiful pink wine goes beautifully cold, goes beautifully with a beautiful cold fish dish because it's light and fresh and a little lemony. And this, and that's kinds of the flavors that you get from some of those rosés. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so so, and that's why you wouldn't want necessarily to overdo it with something, right? As you said, right. and and the same thing goes with meat. Meat, you want something spicy and rich and flavorful, so that the meat doesn't overpower the wine, and that the wine doesn't overpower the meat. Now, so let's move. Now, let's say we've taken care of. Let's say meat people and fish people. Now, for people that are drinking two more cups, and of course, this is where in many people's homes, the Seder starts to, starts to dis, the dissolution of the Seder, because <laughs> people start dropping off, and younger people and older people, and you have the, the stalwarts who stay towards the end, they got it, and, and many people push themselves to drink that fourth cup, and to drink it in totality. Um, do you have any suggestions for those later wines that are post the meal? Yes, I uh, the third coast. I like to do something in a little lighter red, like Pinot Noir or Merlot or Sangiovese. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all grapes that, or Tempranillo. These are all grapes that often are produced in a lighter style with l- not low alcohol but lower alcohols. Uh-huh. And is that uh, because and less tannins? Is that because since it's past the meal, you don't want to. Uh, because in other words, during the meal, you have the food sort of absorbing some of that alcohol, right. and this is post the meal, so you right. want you realize that you're going, and especially if you're going to be a halachic meal where you're not supposed to be eating desserts after you've eaten that afikomen of the matzah. So although you're drinking two cups, you're saying you don't want them to be too heavy, and you don't Correct. want it to. Uh, so therefore, um, so these wines are your are your wines of choice for your third. Yes. Yes. 
Um, and, 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 and you would say, even if someone is not during the Seder, these are, let's talk about two other points. You know, there are people who, um, you know, we try in the in Pesach, especially to bring as many people as we can uh, to our Seder. And sometimes we have people who are not uh, religious and people who do not keep even the Sabbath or keep the religion, but we want them to be part of the Seder. Unfortunately, the, the halacha determines that for some of these people, um, they shouldn't be necessarily handling the wine. Um, and therefore, what we do is we pass, well, you tell me, well, you, you know about this, of course, we do something, a process calling it, making it mavushal. And mm-hmm. by making it mavushal, now we don't have to worry about who's touching the wine and who's not. Now, uh, when you have a wine that's not, when you, when some of the wines you've mentioned before were probably wines that weren't mavushal, right? Many of the wines you've right. recommended tonight are wines that are not mavushal. But if you're in a situation where you've got to go mavushal because you have people at the house that are not, who are not keeping Shabbos, people who you don't want to uh, touching wine that's not mavushal, so right. mavushal the wine. What are some of our choices, and we still don't sacrifice on quality? So, so today's mavushaling process has been tremendously updated. So we today we call it flash pasteurization, and in technical terms, and the flash pasteurization satisfies the halachic requirement of mavushal without um, necessarily having a deleterious effect on the wine itself. I love that and, word, deleterious. But I will warn people that, uh, you know, I, I spoke to, uh, you know, many, many Rabbanim about this. You know, if you want to have, uh, you know, it, it certainly is some people insist at least the first coast be not mavushal because it's a hitter, you know, it's okay. But if you're going to have, like the rabbi just said, a diversity of humanity at your table, make sure to keep it by you. Make sure that you have your hands on it at all times and make sure that you're the only one or, you know, only the from people in the room. I mean, like, for example, we had a non-mavushal wine this past Shabbos and we have an aide. My mother-in-law lives with us. We have an aide who is not Jewish. Uh-huh. I was a guy. And so I, I told my son-in-law who was here and my son who was here. And I said, guys, this is not mavushal. And sure enough, they kept it at the perimeter of the table right. across from our next to themselves or next to me. Yeah. So you have to be very careful. Right, I will Jay, also tell you... You know, Jay, that advice, of course, makes a lot of sense. The problem is, is that many times the people who you're inviting are, 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 are know enough that they're seeing that you're not letting them near the wine. You know what I'm saying? And, no, so, and therefore, so... therefore, again, I'm not... I, that's why I was suggesting that if you're in a situation where it looks like it's just going to be um, easier to go with a mavushal wine, despite the fact, and, and, and I, I'm, I'll tell you the halachic basis of this, because the Rambam's opinion and others is that once your mavashal wine, may, I don't know if this applies to flash pasteurization or not, but once your mavashal the wine, it might not be wine, according to the Rambam and others, that you make Boripriagofen on anymore. And because of that, you definitely, since as you say, it's the it's most one of the most important things you're doing at the Seder is doing the mitzvah of Dalit Kosas. You want to be Makaim the mitzvah according to as many opinions as you can. But assuming that you can't, and assuming that just the, the social situation doesn't allow it, there's just too much of a mixture, and you're not able to give those uh, give that, those type of commands in a way that you think they're going to be followed, you're saying that there are some good mavushal choices 
whether it's completely halachic or not, that you can have. And you're saying the flash pasteurization. Now, does that mean it's done like super quick? Is that what yes. it means? Uh -huh. yes. So, and therefore, because it's so quick, it doesn't have time to quote unquote ruin the taste. Is that what it means? Is that what it means? Correct. Uh -huh. So it's so it's sort of it's and 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 would you agree? I mean, you if, could you tell the difference between a flash pasteurization and a non? I, I think wine? you can tell the difference, but I think often people, even when they tell the difference, they prefer the pasteurized one over the non-pasteurized one. Why is that, Jay? Well, sometimes it reduces esters and flavors and aromas that you don't get if it's still closed in, and that's only because the wine hasn't been aged long enough. Uh -huh. But it does change the wine, and that's really the key. Uh -huh. And and so so to an expert, the probably person would say, hmm, "Not so crazy about this one." But for a person who doesn't know that much, flash pasteurization. Uh, I wouldn't say no. There there have been studies done where experts have actually preferred the Mavushal wine. Yeah, wow, interesting. So so give us so so give us. You, you say there's many. Can you throw out a couple of of Mavushal? Uh, yes. Yeah, so first of all, always look for the word Mavushal on the back of your label. Mm -hmm. And it used to be that if it didn't say Mavushal, it was not Mavushal. Not today anymore. Almost every Hashgacha insists that you either write Mavushal or non-Mavushal. Mm -hmm. But you might have older wines. And if you can't find the word Mavushal on it or non-Mavushal on it, assume that it's non-Mavushal. Okay. okay, that's number one. Number two is there are many wonderful wines from the Herzog vineyards that are almost all Mavushal that are very, very high quality. Uh, and that's because of the expertise of the way they make the Mavushal process. But more importantly, where the grapes come from and how the winemaker handles them, mm -hmm. that makes them wonderful. And they are completely Mavushal. Yeah. There are wonderful wines from Eretz Yisrael, including the wines from uh, Sagot and uh, Shiloh, and uh, of course, Barkhan, and Carmel, and uh, Tepperberg, and right, so, so many do you others. Have, do you have any examples? Like, give, give us, because people are going to listen to this and say, yeah, I heard Jay on uh, on principle talk about it. So what's one of the... Yeah, so, so for example, there's a wine from Segal called Unfiltered, which is close to $100 a bottle, $80 wow. a bottle, $70 a bottle. Mavushal is a wine from Herzog. It's called Generation Gen 8. It's uh, over $100 a bottle. Mavushal wow. is a wine from Amichai Luria, which is Shiloh. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, $50, $60 a bottle. Mavushal. Oh, wow. uh, Secret Reserve Cabernet, as an example. And even Mosaic, which is even more expensive than that. It's Mavushal. Right. Uh, there's wines from Carmel, which are in the $20 and $30 range, uh, called Appalachian and Private Collection, that are Mavushal that are delicious. Hang wonderful. on one second. Hang on one second. I just heard two things which I never thought would I hear together. You know, let's say you are coming to a house and you've, you've mentioned some possibilities of, of bringing a, a, a wine as, as, as a present. And um, I, you, know, you, you don't know if they're going to open it up at the Seder or not, but here you are, you're a guest and you're coming there and you don't want to bring something that's that's you know, <laughs> that's something what would be sort of like a middle of the road present for a single guy or girl who's who's invited to a seder that they could bring like what sort of wine would you suggest so you can always you, you know everybody knows especially when you're having a large group everybody knows that wines like bartonura moscato are a, a hit 
The red version of that is Malvasia. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a hit. Everybody knows, not everybody, but fine wine drinkers and if you're your host or you know that people at the, at the dinner at the Seder are going to be fine wine drinkers, everybody can be rest assured that Herzog reserve wines are a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the so Moscato, those are just some the examples. Of, the, the reason why Moscato is, is, is it because it has that um, carbonated feel to it? Is that the reason why it's such a big hit? I think, I think it's more because it's semi dry and it has the carbonation feel to it so both things are in concert so it, work it's, it, it sort of works with the seltzer soda mentality right it's yeah. like right that's it's, why it's, it's a fun it's a fun easy drinking drink and mm-hmm. you know you don't get too drunk it's five and a half percent alcohol mm-hmm. you know? so that's not a so by the way some people tell me and tell me rabbi if this is correct that if you want bedafka moscato and you add a little red wine to it to give it color that also is okay. Is yeah, that... there, it is brought down. I think Rev. David Feinstein speaks about that, about about altering uh, the color of your wine. In other words, you you can have it. You know, it's whitish, but you put a little bit of uh, of another wine in there, and you've basically accomplished because everything is based on the symbolism, not necessarily right. what the wine was in its origins. So those are those are the, that that's a. a because clearly, especially if you're just a single person who's invited, you know, they don't, it's sort of like, unless you are uh, rolling in dough, it's sort of like what you, I invited you for the Seder and you're bringing a hundred dollar bottle of wine. That seems to be too much, right? That would be, you would assume, right? It depends. If, if your host <laughs> is a, a, a Richie Rich and likes fine wine, yeah. bring him a hundred dollar bottle of wine. He'll love you. <laughs> yeah, right. He'll but, invite you back. Yeah. But for the average person, you know, it's not embarrassing. There's no embarrassment in bringing. Not at all. Right. Not at all. Uh, well, uh, being a guest at your Seder is probably tough for anybody to bring anything other. I mean, the people who bring wine to your No, you don't. You know, I tell people, if you're going to bring me wine, bring me something I don't sell. Bring me something I don't represent. Bring you something I wouldn't ordinarily taste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, before we started recording, I, I mentioned to you that uh, that the New York Times had an article uh, dealing with the Seder um, and it mentioned some of the other American producers. Um, and, um, and 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 I know that, Jay, look, you you represent the best, but you're able to be honest enough to say there's other American stuff there, too. Um, like we talk about Covenant, right? And 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 Hagopet. excellent. Jeff, Jeff Morgan, mm-hmm. who makes Covenant is a wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. And actually, a Balchuva uh, of late. You know, in in fact, um, I don't know if he wants me to talk about it, but he had his bris only very much later in life. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that's why he calls it covenant. Then you have maybe, that, maybe that's why he calls it covenant, which is the which is exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Exactly right. Uh-huh. And uh, so these guys, and I, I know that you you know you're big. Uh, and I know the the place where you work is a large uh, a large you know, place, and where the wine is produced. Uh, I would assume that some of these places I just mentioned, like Hagafen and Covenant, they're smaller. And for some people, they think smaller has some sort of uh, could be better. Do, do you understand that 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 way of thinking that a smaller winery? Yeah, is somehow I do better? actually. I do actually. Because they, they, you know, the concept is is that if you're smaller, you have you're you're giving more attention to each and every aspect and each and every bottle that you produce. But the 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 real key is is that whether you're smaller or larger, 
you should be doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and obviously having, you know, that's part of what Kedem's bracha is that they have you around. That's right. so you can make sure that despite how large they are, there's someone who cares about every single one, like it's one of his own. That's right. Children. Jay, thanks a lot. Look, I know that uh, it's uh, being able to catch you on this very busy week uh, was a big treat for us. And we want to wish everybody here to have, as they say, a Chag Kosher B'Sameach. Here in New Jersey, they say Azisa Pesach. And I, I would say for Jay, it should be a non, not so Zis, a, a medium Zis Pesach. <laughs> you know, with a type of semi-sweet type of wine we've been talking you about. Bet. Take, take care, everybody. We'll catch you hopefully after Yontif. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.